0: Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti and this is episode 91 of Yogaland. It was so nice to have Jason back on the podcast this week answering some of your questions. We talk about the pelvis and warrior one. We talk about boat pose and half boat pose and which one is a more effective ab strengthener. And we talk about twists and how hard it can be to breathe in them. And Jason offers some very simple, but very sound advice for coping with that, the breathing in the deep twists. So I hope you enjoy the episode. And if you ever have questions that you want to submit for the podcast, you can send them to support at jasonyoga.com. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Andrea. How are you? I'm pretty good. We're not usually... So bright and early with our recordings, is that right? do you think we're going to be not that
1: bright and early? more sharp, sharp or less sharp? I don't feel like I'm ever sharp.
0: I mean, I know it's not that bright and early, but just in terms of the start of our day or our work day is really at nine.
1: Our work day. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we're good.
0: How are you? I'm usually you... tired by
1: this point of the day. Thinking about <laughs> exactly. like I'm, by this time of day, I'm fantasizing about going to sleep. Tonight. I'm
0: fantasizing about dinner.
1: You're going to a workshop tomorrow.
0: I am. I am. I'm going to. This is the first time in since before Sophia was born. Seriously? Yes. That mommy is taking a yoga workshop. Wow. Two in a row, with T.S. little. Man. And you know this, but I T.S. little did the anatomy part of my 200 uh, hour I training. That connection. Twelve years ago, or whatever. And I just adore him. I nice. just. He's so funny. I still remember.
1: show slides of pelicans.
0: I hope so. I think that's amazing. Totally. He's very poetic and he's also funny and quirky. Like there's two things that he said in my training that I I will never forget. One was he was teaching us to move our hips to the left and something like, I don't even know what it was. And he was like, like you're doing a hula dance. And then the other thing, he's really into metaphor. And then the other thing was he said he wished he had a tail.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And scene.
0: Well, I mean, you, I guess you have to be there. But hopefully I will get some good inspiration think, and be okay. able to interview him soon. Do
1: you think that if no one else had a tail, he would still want a tail? Or do you think? No,
0: I think he <laughs> wished that everyone that, could okay, have all right, a fair tail. Enough,
1: fair enough. It's one thing to be an outsider. It's another thing to have a tail.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, what else is funny is I don't remember why he wanted a tail. But uh, I guess, we were talking I about probably, the tailbone.
1: I could probably guess.
0: Well, th- lay it out there.
1: Well, I think that. Okay. You ready? Yes. So you have two legs, right? There's efficiency to two legs, but there's nothing like having a third point of contact because tripods are pretty awesome.
0: Right. It was a balance so my,
1: thing. Yeah, of course.
0: Yes, that's yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. It was a balance yeah. thing. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That's great. So you are about to start, you just wrapped up a module of your dance training module two at TriYoga yeah. in London. Yeah. And then you're about and, oh, real
1: quick, uh, quick salesmanship. There's only a couple of spots left for module 3 in London. Okay. And uh, it's in April. And we do have scheduled the next training there. So you can start with module 3 and then pick up module 1 the middle of next year.
0: So talk about when module 1 in London is.
1: Module 1 in London is August 2019. Great. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, so for those that's it. So there. I wrapped
1: it up and it was awesome. I'm so proud of the group. I'm so proud of the 300 hour training groups that I work with. And I was telling you, it really is for me, like I, I really love teaching, you know that, but there's just nothing like having essentially a captive group for two weeks that is well educated and that is a group of critical thinkers and that is bonded and we can go deep. I mean, it's, it's so, it's super, super, super satisfying work.
0: And you've got a new group coming in Monday. on Monday at Probably San by you
1: probably I don't know when you're going to publish this but by the time this gets published that group yes. will be going. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, so we're looking forward to meeting you. Oh, and we're going to do a live recording we're of the totally podcast do a with live this group. Recording. I've already announced that on the podcast that this lucky group of people will get to submit their questions and watch us answer them Pop- live. Popcorn. So excited. We get heckled.
1: I'm going to be so mad.
0: Oh, man you would love it if we got heckled. I
1: could totally handle a heckler. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, Better than I could. Totally. Okay. Let's dive into the questions. Let's get them. So these are questions that you all submitted. You submitted so many and so many good ones, and I wish we could answer all of them. We're going to work through them over the next few weeks as much as we can.
1: But But we also have some non Q and a podcast stuff that's coming up. That's some really important stuff
0: too. True. True. Okay. And the nice thing about the questions that came in this time was there was some overlap of poses. People were interested very much in Warrior One, Chaturanga.
1: Warrior One, here's my answer. Skip it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you don't really I don't really teach that pose much anymore. You I haven't in don't? a couple of years. No. Oh I don't my like gosh. it.
0: gosh. Okay. Well, we'll then get, let's we'll start with it. that question. Okay. Okay. The question is, I have a hard time with Warrior One in keeping my hips squared. I find that I really can't go far in the lunge. I almost feel like I'm not in a warrior pose. I find it so very difficult. I had pretty open hips naturally, so I have to make the hip squaring a huge focus. I also feel it very much in the back calf. Is there something I can do to go further into it without compromising my hips?
1: Let's start with the back calf. Don't worry about it. If it really is the back calf, it's probably the angle of the back leg is rotated to such a degree that the, that the back calf and the muscles, the posterior compartment muscles that live under the back calf are stretching. So to me, that's a non-issue. If it was the knee or the ankle, I'd have a, an issue. But if it's the stretch of the back calf, it's a non-issue. To me, it's just a stretch of a calf. Easiest way to deal with that would be to just live with it, which is probably not a problem. Or if you're not doing flow, if you're just sort of working on that pose individually, you can shim up the back heel with a wedge or with a rolled up yoga mat or with a sandbag. And that's really nice. So the back heel would be slightly elevated and that would take away some of that excess. Okay, so here's the deal. Stop trying to square the hips. This is just one of these things, you guys. Like this is just one of these things that, uh, this is such a huge topic and I'm going to try to not... Be nuts about it and be sort of sober minded about it. but just because something is said for a long period of time by many people does not mean that it is correct and or necessary or necessary. Yeah. so so here's the thing. I figured this out a long time ago, okay, which is and you're the editor in here, so you might be able to help me with this. I think that the biggest problem it's to me, I think about like the game of telephone right now okay which is that there's an error in communication or there's an error in hearing and then we create this problem down the line okay so if i if you're in warrior one and i tell you square your hips the word square in that sentence is a verb i am getting the action is square but the result is not a noun you are not going to end up with square hips If you take a sufficient distance between the hips, between the feet, I don't like the language of square your hips because it gives people a false impression, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, if I say run down the block, well, then you're going to be running forever. But I, because I've said square the hips, so you're doing the action of squaring, but you feel like you're never getting there because I I didn't say rotate the pelvis forward until the hips are square. I said square the hips. Mm -hmm. So we've Almost like
0: you would, like more accurately, would be to say move your hips towards square.
1: No, we just have to totally (laughs) drop the language. We have to totally drop the language like I did years ago in in, in my manual, which is rotate your pelvis towards the front leg until they stop, until the pelvis stops. Mm -hmm. There's no one. If you look at light on yoga, if you look at sort of any of the classic postural stuff, if you look at like maybe the greatest technical asana practitioner ever, Patricia Walden, her, pel- her hips are not square and not in that perfectly pose. square.
0: I know what you're saying. Yes. They're
1: not square. The pelvis is rotating forward until it stops. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that if the pelvis stops rotating forward, And you continue to apply rotational force to the pelvis when it can no longer rotate further forward, then you are going to set up a sacroiliac or a lumbar issue, period. And so there's two things, and then you can sort of get in, which is if someone just is absolutely insistent, I'm going to square my hips, I'm going to get the hips square, then just take a really short and wide stride. And essentially what you'll end up with is the feet are going to be like a foot and a half away from each other, and they're going to be really broad, and both of your hip points are going to e- be equal distance to the front of the mat. But you can't take a full stride. No, just the biodynamics. I've never in my life seen it done. A full stride with the left hip point and the right hip point perfectly square. It doesn't get there.
0: Okay. I have perhaps a better suggestion for them rather than shortening the stance, which is, I think what you teach, which is, I think I'd like to go back to, for the, this listener, what is the purpose of this pose, right? And, and like, what is the goal of moving the hips toward a square position? To me, it seems like the goal is to stretch the front of the hip and the back leg, which you could do just as easily. And well, you could do more safely by doing it the way you recommend, or yeah. you could do it more easily and effective in a high lunge or yeah. some people call it crescent pose.
1: Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Totally agreed. I think that warrior one, like I teach warrior one and a half.
0: Right. I know. I kind of wanted you to talk about that. You know, so,
1: so to me, it's actually like, it's actually a better. Po- it's a, just say to what me- that is. Okay. okay fair, so I I'm will. So let me just sort of bake down what I think the problem that warrior one sets up. Or, yeah, the problem of Warrior One to me and pretty much to every student on the planet. If everyone listening thinks about their relationship to Warrior One, I guarantee 90% plus have like a very conflicted relationship to Warrior One. The big challenge is that in Warrior One, you want to rotate the back pelvis forward, as the back hip forward as much as you can. But then when the pelvis stops rotating, you need to stop trying to rotate it further or else you're likely to create some sort of unfortunate asymmetrical stress to the lower back into the sacroiliac region and that's going to create a problem. So what you can do is you can essentially do the pose that I've developed called Warrior 1.5, which is halfway between Warrior 1 and Warrior 2. So you rotate the pelvis. So say your right leg is forward. Instead of trying to rotate the pelvis so the hip points face the front of the room, rotate the pelvis forward at a 45-degree angle so that your hip points are facing the left front corner of the mat. The right foot is forward. So you're just halfway between warrior one it and warrior two. It feels
0: really good. Totally, You'll know when you're doing it yeah. because it feels more spacious. It's it so feels much more, more stable. Forgiving.
1: You actually get into the adductor magnus more. You get into the, the hip flexor group more. And so you rotate the pelvis halfway between warrior one and warrior two. And then same thing with the torso. So your torso, instead of facing the front of the room, the torso is facing the corner of the room. Right. And it's just such a good, stable pose. It does all of the opening that Warrior One does with none of the... <laughs> yeah. Well, with none of the sort of biomechanical problems of Warrior, warrior One. Yeah. Yep.
0: I'm a so fan. So put it that way. I'm a fan. Yeah. So...
1: So b- bare minimum, if you are doing Warrior One, listeners, please don't force the pelvis... To try to be to rotate further forward than it is. And also as communicators, we need to stop using the language mm-hmm. because by using the verb square, we are giving people an inaccurate understanding of of their finite point of motion in the pose mm-hmm. and people are then wrestling with something they don't need to wrestle with. They're wrestling with a part of the body that can't actually move there mm-hmm. and they're creating lumbar and sacroiliac issues.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And for potentially sure. knee too, right?
1: Yeah. There's actually a question that came up about the, I don't think you highlighted, but I'll answer it. Someone was having discomfort in their back knee in warrior one and warrior two. And I would say that's usually a really easy fix. Usually a really easy fix. Just think, your knee is between your hip and your foot. And so usually when there's knee pain in the back leg in Warrior 1 or Warrior 2, it's usually because the, the back hip and the back foot, there's a dissonance and the knee is getting twisted. Either So just play around a little bit more. Turn the back foot further forward. Or turn the back foot less further forward. Turn the back hip further forward, or turn the back hip less further forward. Mm-hmm. But play around with the position of the foot and the position of the hip so that the knee is not getting twisted in between. Mm-hmm. It's not a flexibility issue, it's an alignment issue. Mm-hmm. And the person in the pose will have to get out of their head that their pelvis should be stacked or should be squared. That's just language we just, it's old language. It, we need to get rid of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Great. so moving on boat pose. I don't think I've ever really heard a teacher break it down, says the listener. Should I be leaning back or sitting up on my sit bones or rolled back off of them? I've been practicing it for years and still feel like straightening my legs is completely inaccessible.
1: Okay. So I think the first thing to get is that there are two boat poses, two very different boat poses. There is Ardha Navasana, half boat pose. And then there is Paripurna Navasana, full boat pose. When people refer to boat pose, especially if they come from the world of Ashtanga Yoga, they're typically just referring to Paripurna Navasana. It's the more commonly taught version of the pose. I actually think it's an inferior pose for a couple of reasons. I think Ardha Navasana is a much more important pose. But the most common version of boat is relatively high meaning you are not laying back with your torso. You are lifting the chest up. You're lifting the lower back. You're lifting the chest. You're lifting the legs. So let's clarify something about sit bones. No one on the planet is ever on the front of their sit bones in full navasana. It's not doable. It's just the leverage actually doesn't work. So if you were to look at the sitting bones, you would really see that the sitting bones are beveled. They're like uh, the bottom of a rocking horse, right? It's mm-hmm. a it's it's curved. Or a diamond ring. <laughs> <Or> a diamond <laughs> That's what ring. I think
0: of when you say beveled.
1: <laughs> yeah, a a, gem. C- a cushion cut gem.
0: <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> is
1: that a hint?
0: No, 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 no.
1: <laughs> okay. Really, what you're going to be is at maximum. You're going to be centered on the sitting bones. I don't know if it's the, the, yeah, it's, so you're going to be centered on the sitting bones, but you're not going to be rocked forward to the frontal aspect. If you were rocked forward to the frontal aspect of your sitting bones, you would be in a forward bend
0: Yeah. period. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. There's just no, literally there's no doubt about it. Okay. And then plus we have to remember not only are the sitting bones a rounded surface, the bones, but you have a butt. You know what I mean? Like there's flesh that you're on. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to move a little bit. So really the place that you're going to be for full boat pose, Ardhanavasana, is just to the very back edge of the sitting bones. Now, the reason oh, that-
0: not, not, okay. So since there it's round. Yes. It's not like you can be, you're either going to be slightly to the front or slightly to the back. Yeah. You're
1: either going to be like dead center, Uh huh. dead center. But that's going to presume someone is really strong and really flexible. Like if you had like the world's best pariparna Navasana, you'd probably be dead center on the same I have a pretty good pariparna Navasana. You do. I actually have a pretty decent one too (laughs) Um, because I don't require – like. Poses that don't require me to bend in any direction, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty good at. <laughs> and I'm strong, so I can do part, part Yes, you're strong. So anyway, so the point is um, you are going to be either dead center on the sitting bones or rocked just a little bit back. Okay. Now, the reason that teachers always say or often say sit on the front edge of the sitting bones is because we, we don't want you to rock too far back. Sure. You know, unless you're doing Ardha Navasana, in which case you do. But so, point is, let's get out of our head this idea that you are on the front of the sitting bones. You're not. You're either on the center of the curve or you're slightly back. So you're going to be a little bit heavier on the tailbone, actually. So you're going to be a little bit more on tailbone, sitting bones, bottom of sacrum. Okay? You can either in that pose... Bend the knees or keep the legs straight. Now, bending the knees for most people gives the advantage of giving them more control over spine and core. Mm-hmm. Okay. Straightening the legs is the gives you the exact same pose. Bending the knees and straightening the knees is the exact same pose, it's the same benefit. But it's, I'm gonna make up a number. It's the difference between lifting 40 pounds and lifting 60 pounds. When you bend the knees, You have a, the legs are a shorter lever. And so your abdominals and your hip flexors don't have to work quite as much. And you can keep posture in the lower back easier. Mm -hmm. When you straighten the knees, the levers, the leg levers are now longer, which is making mostly the hip flexors work more. Right? Make sense? Mm -hmm. So same, same advantage. It's totally the same advantage. Mm -hmm. Okay. One more thing, which is Paripurna Navasana. Is not mainly an abdominal pose. It is mainly a hip flexor pose. So and if a quad. yes, can get very well, part of hip flexor is quad. Okay. So that's why we have Ardha Navasana. Ardha Navasana is the abdominal pose. Paripurna Navasana is the hip flexor pose. You're not going to make Paripurna Navasana all about the abs. You not. It's that's that's biomechanically, that's not the position that exerts stress on the abs. So Ardha Navasana. The way I teach Ardha Navasana is really not even Ardha Navasana. It's Quarter Navasana. But I don't know how to say quarter in Sanskrit.
0: So oh right, because Ardha is half. Yeah. I never really thought about that. Everybody teaches Quarter Navasana.
1: Everyone. Well, it depends. Okay. So here's the way that I do Ardha Navasana, mm-hmm. which is I literally have people lay down, mm-hmm. lay down, and then lift the head and chest. Up off the ground so the upper back is off the ground the shoulder blades are off the ground the back of the skull is off the ground and then lift the legs up to the same height as the chest then interlace the fingers behind the head so I actually teach Ardha Navasana with the back of the pelvis and the lower back on the ground I don't teach it the same way that it's taught in the Iyengar world because I find that for most people.
0: So how is it taught in the Iyengar? In the Iyengar
1: world? world, the lower back is off the ground. Oh, wow. You're not laying you're not laying the lower back all the way down on the ground. Okay. And for me, for me, that's not necessarily wrong, but for me there is a lot of posterior stress on the lower. I back.
0: was going to say that seem that would Yeah, exactly and I actually I, was I
1: actually really find like literally if people just lay down, uh-huh, lift their head and chest up. Yeah. Be mindful to not overlift the head because yeah. you might work the neck, but that's the uh, worst things can happen. So lift the chest, lift the shoulder blades, curl up yeah. as much as you can, mm-hmm. and then raise the legs to that height, then interlace the fingers behind the head. That's the ab pose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking to do Navasana mostly as an ab strengthener, do Ardha Navasana. Mm-hmm. If you're looking to do Navasana mainly as a hip flexor strengthener, do paripurna Navasana Just to the back edge of the sitting bones, legs straight or knees bent, depending on your strength and your proportions.
0: So if this person has a hard time, really is desiring to straighten her legs and feeling like it's inaccessible, what could she... Well, it might
1: be inaccessible. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I can't lift 400 pounds. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just, It just might be inaccessible. It also might be like, I don't know this person, but if you have longer legs... And a shorter torso, it's way harder. Oh,
0: no wonder it's easy for me. I have such a long torso. Yeah, the longer
1: the the torso, the shorter the legs, the easier it is to press up into handstand, the easier it is to do the Navasana family. Like when it comes down to, to abdominal strength poses... Strength is a huge component. I'm not saying that out, but the proportions of structure is a massive yeah. variable that we have to learn to account
0: With for. With everything. We could do like five podcasts about how your proportions affect different poses because it's an incredible topic.
1: Yeah. Um, the space between my teeth
0: it affects everything.
1: And it, it inhibits, it makes me a good breather.
0: It makes but it cognitive inhibits, function a little difficult. Cognitive sometimes. function Doesn't is really
1: it, difficult. Yeah and then moving is hard.
0: Usually just the cognitive function like when your wife is in, is asking you to get something from the store or That's what
1: I think that's that's uh like I've filtered that out.
0: <laughs> you have a filter. I have a filter. That's you know that like apply filter?
1: that. yeah apply that filter.
0: Wife wife filter apply out. Apply that filter. Apply.
1: <laughs> a filter applied. Okay, Next. one
0: more quick thing before, yeah, about okay. Navasana. I think and I think that we might have a pose notebook on Vasna.
1: We have a pose notebook on
0: Navasana. Great. So I'll put a link to that on the show notes page. I don't think we have Ardhanavasana, but we might have something with the sequence. Okay. So I'll just look for that. I think
1: we have Ardhanavasana.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Just lay down and then lift stuff up.
0: But it might be nice to have a sequence to um, apply it in. And I believe we might have that. So I'll check it out. Okay, last question. I love this question. I so relate to this person. Certain deep twists, such as chair pose twist, sitting half uh, spinal twist, so Ardham Matsyandrasana, and high lunge with a twist literally take my breath away. I can do the poses decently, but I can hardly breathe. Very uncomfortable. So take my breath away, not in a good way. Easy. (laughs) Okay.
1: Don't go so far. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're going too far.
0: (laughs) Brilliance. (laughs) You're
1: going too far. There's nothing there. It hurts when I do this. Don't do this. There's nothing there. Like there is, there's nothing in one more degree of rotation. Mm. There is something in one less degree of rotation when you can breathe. (laughs) I don't want to sound mean, but like, this is just maturity in a practice. Like this is, this is like sort of understanding Where the greatest value in the process lies, okay,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, and we have just for so long fetishized maximizing range of motion at all cost, and it's not. You have to sort of look at this trade off. What is better for your body? Not even better for your aesthetic yoga practice. What is better for the body? Going one more degree of rotation or going one less degree of rotation and having the physiological and anatomical and psycho benefits of breathing deeply. Mm-hmm. It's easy. Mm-hmm. Like it's such an easy thing. And this is where, you know, I've been thinking a lot. I I've thought a lot for years about advanced yoga and advanced yoga practices, you know, and what that really means. And advanced just it just culturally always breaks down to the hard thing or the most extreme thing. That's an easy mistake to make. But if we really look at, well, what what is yoga and then therefore what is advanced? Well, yoga is, is the observation of the underlying inherent state of unity, right? And to me, the way that this is described literally across centuries is by the experience of equilibrium, Right? And equilibrium of body, equilibrium of breath, equilibrium of mind. which means there's always going to be a point in every pose where you're producing disequilibrium by trying to go further, because you're creating, at some point, you're off-balancing the equation. at some point, you're just adding too much to one side of the equation, usually playing out the mind's either, either unconscious insecurity. Or sort of trying to play out the mind's idealized notion of oppose, which is often not correct. Mm -hmm. And again, we're off balancing the equation. We're taking ourselves out of the state of equilibrium in order to get that last little vestige, right? Now, again, we all, I think that this is like a really common, this is a human thing. You know what I mean? It's a human thing. It's a group thing it's really hard to not I've admitted my whole life like I'm competitive I'm still competitive you know I want to be good at things sure you know what I mean yeah we're all we're all driven to do our best you know like and I think that there's something beautiful and laudable about that human drive towards seeing what's around that next corner You know, and I think it's a very normal thing, but we have to actually ask ourselves what is yoga, and therefore, what is advanced. Mm -hmm. And advanced yoga means actually doing yoga. Mm -hmm. It means doing having an advanced state of yoga, which means you're engaging in the process of facilitating equilibrium. And you, the thing is, is that you just can't experience equilibrium and, and. anything without quality breathing. Mm -hmm. So whether it's a back bend, a twist, a forward bend, a side bend, you know, whatever it is, if there isn't quality breath, they're just, there's not good. There's not advanced yoga to me. Yeah. To me.
0: I want to just add one more thing to that.
1: One more thing, which is, and then I'll also give uh, just like a really brief understanding of why it's hard to breathe in twists. Okay. Yeah.
0: So I don't know if this listener is a man or a woman, know nothing about their body type, but I do know that as a woman, your breasts can get in the way of a lot of poses. And twisting is really hard for me too, because of like what we were talking about before, because of my proportions. So think about doing Ardha If you have long legs and long arms, it's easier to get those two parts of your body in contact with each other in that twist. If you have short legs and short arms like I do, you have to twist further to get that hook or that you know, contact. Yeah, there's more
1: there's more blocking. So there's
0: motion. more, right? And so then if you add breasts to the mix or if you add a little bit of tummy to the mix, it can make it even more challenging. So think about your body type is, is the, what I'm trying to convey. And then the other thing is... Don't be afraid to move flesh out of the way if you need to. I had a teacher who taught me this a long time ago in twists, and it just can help. Like if you kind of pick up your flesh and move it before you go into the full twist. You mean like
1: hand, belly, move,
0: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. move belly. And like for me in shoulder stand, I have to do that with my chest, with my breasts. Like they just go too far into my throat or my face, and I kind of have to, to do the chin lock. I kind of have to like scoop it out. So that's my little additional idea.
1: So also, this is in addition to everything I said a moment ago, okay, because I think that that's a really important concept. And, but a layer about this, which is to actually briefly, and it's very difficult to explain this in a, in a moment, but my understanding of how we breathe was totally wrong for an incredibly long period of time. I really thought that we breathed by pulling air in and pushing air out, and that's just totally not how it works. We breathe as a function of pressure differentials between pressure in the lungs and pressure in the atmosphere that we're encased in. And what produces those pressure differentials is the size of the, the volume of the rib cage. And what changes the volume of the rib cage largely is the diaphragm. So, essentially, what happens on the inhalation is that the diaphragm is expanding the circumference of the rib cage. That is decreasing the pressure inside the lungs, which makes the pressure inside the lungs less than the air pressure outside of the body. And so, air pressure from outside of the body is pushed in. Then when you exhale, the diaphragm is allowing the rib cage, the circumference of the rib cage to become smaller. That's increasing the air pressure inside the lungs. It makes the air pressure inside the lungs greater than the atmosphere around us. And the atmosphere sucks the air out. And so when you're in a position, whether it's a deep, I think the the most common ones are backbends and twists. When you're in a deep twist and when you're in a deep backbend, you have already, I I don't mean this negatively, you've already compromised the position of the spine and the ribs from further expansion and contraction because you've added the stress of the rotation or the stress of the backbend. And so the ribs can't, they, they become less expandable. And so the diaphragm can't expand them as easily more. And so we get into that situation where because we're in the backbend or in the twist, we're starting to lose out on the diaphragm's ability to change the shape of the ribs because they're already at a stress point. And so therefore breathing starts to slow down. Or, or I shouldn't say it slows down. It actually quickens. It becomes harder to breathe. When your ribs and your spine are in a stressed position, does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like I actually need to listen to what you just said again to like
1: hit hit the back understand 50%. it all. Yeah, but definitely. Yeah. I mean, this is something in trainings. We 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 spend days and days on this because mm-hmm. it just it just takes a while to sure. really get this. But when you get this, it radically changes breathing. Yeah, it radically changes breathing, and then it also tells me, look, if I'm in a position where I can't breathe well, I know that I am actually in a compromised position.
0: This could actually help people with anxiety.
1: Totally. I know this. I'm in a compromised position. Yeah. I just there's there's no doubt if I've gotten to the threshold where I can't where I can't take a decent breath. Mm-hmm. I do not believe in my experience that that is a good position. Mm. I can go farther than good. All the time. Does that make the? the, the, I know that's a weird sentence, but like, I my maximum motion in all of my poses is almost always a bad yoga pose.
0: Oh yeah, me too. (laughs) That's interesting. Yeah.
1: My maximum motion is a. I'm wanting to curse. I'm not my maximum range of motion. When I get to maximum in any given pose, it's a bad pose in my body. It's a bad pose. Yeah, me too. And you know what? It might look from the outside. Good. Prettier.
0: Right. More on the inside.
1: It's not good. Yeah. Because actually I'm starting to produce disequilibrium to me. This isn't like, that's not yoga's strongest suit. You know, like it's not its strongest card. Its strongest card is the facilitation of equilibrium. And I'm not saying we can't work hard, but when you get to a place where, by doing so much of X, you're compromising Y and Z. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually not. It's to my experience, it's not like a good yoga experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it might be a fine stretch. It might be a pretty picture. It might be like, if I was a sprinter, you know what I mean? That That's different because my goal in sprinting is not to breathe deeply.
0: <laughs>
1: my goal in sprinting is to, is to beat an existing time no matter what. Yeah. But that's just not what this discipline actually
0: is. Yeah. I actually have to give a little hat tip to this person because I think so many of us suffer through twists and don't even think about the fact that we're not breathing or we don't even realize oh, totally. it. So having that awareness of like, okay, how do I, this is not, something's not working is, is so smart.
1: How do I know anything? I only know what I know because of the mistakes that I've made throughout my life practice and paying attention to that. So if I have insight about anything like this, it's because I've made the error. I made the error for so long. Mm. And sometimes like you just have to make the same dumb error to like countless times to figure out, like you're not actually getting what you think you want. You know, like when I go one extra degree in my forward bends, I'm not actually getting what on the inside I think that I want.
0: Well, you might be getting what your ego wants. Totally. But you're not doing what's best for yourself.
1: And actually what's best for my ego. Which
0: actually because just my ego, reminds because, me so much of raising a child. Because my ego, you know? like
1: everyone's ego, is a bottomless pit. Right, right, right. It is an insatiable beast. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing. Like we, we have to – we can have a whole other conversation some other time about the misunderstanding of how people talk about yoga and, and ego. ego. We're Let's not trying that. to get away from ego. It's an implicit part of self. Yeah. But we're trying to learn to not operate upon its whims. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, too, is like when you operate on its whims, it's an empty calorie. It just wants more.
0: Mm.
1: You know what I mean? It just wants more. So, that, so even if we think we're satisfying the ego, we're usually not. We're, we're feeding that beast another empty calorie. And it's just... It's just going to come back for more.
0: Right. Endless. You know? All right, Jason Crandall. Thank you so much.
1: I'm going to go eat an ice cream cone now.
0: <laughs> Can you get me a triple piece of triple ear cake <laughs> while you're at it?
1: It's past 12 o'clock somewhere.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's someone's birthday somewhere too. So there you go.
1: It is someone's birthday.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Until next time. Later. Thanks so much for listening. I dug around our blog a little bit and we do have several really detailed blog posts about the core. And we also have some quick core sequences that include Ardha Navasana and we have a pose breakdown of full Navasana or Paripurna Navasana, full boat pose. So you can check those out on the show notes page, which you can find at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 91 please leave an iTunes review if you enjoy the podcast and thank you to those who have written iTunes reviews overseas. I didn't realize until this week that I don't see the international reviews on my iTunes page. I guess the itunes pages are separate for each country which is kind of a bummer so but i did figure out a way to do it to get to see the past reviews and i just they make my heart so happy and i really appreciate them so thank you until next week enjoy your practice Keep breathing till I feel that light. I deep? deep breath, deep breath.
1: Life revolves around the one, sort of like the planet in our solar system. Take a deep breath, fill up my lungs, draw the mind back toward the central sun.
0: Breathe deep, deep breath, inhale, exhale to release the stress.